There once was a boy from Nantucket. Who was? Boy. Yeah. Boy, girl. Ah, well, we're all equal here. Exactly. So yeah, so sorry about uh, Brownie one last week, guys. I don't know where he's uh, he's in his teenage years or something and trying to do that. So uh, what should the appropriate days. punishment be for interrupting the cast here? Oh, that's a good question. Hmm. Watching any movie directed by William Shatner? Oh, that's where that's bad. <laughs> or force him to say... read the entire Tech War series. That's really Which bad was too. written by William Shatner, by the way. Hey, you, oh, he also. Man, you're mean. Also, I was just going to make him watch uh, the holiday special three times in a row. No, he isn't anything right. No, the Ewok movies three times. Oh. 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 Okay. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that... those were directed by Shatner as well. So, <laughs> I, think, I, I think Shatner put out some albums as well. So. He did. He, he did. did? They were like spoken yeah. word. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be a uh, a, a music thing. Like uh, he tried to go, uh, he tried to pull an Eddie Murphy and go rock or something. <laughs> oh no, it was more Sinatra esque than anything. Oh, it's Spock God, that's all horrible. the time. Spock all the time. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna Spock it all the time. Spock it all the time. Oh, okay. uh, I'm never gonna get all sleep right, tonight. That's gonna be stuck in my head. All right. <laughs> awesome. Yes. All right, let's let's uh, let's get this fired up. All right, welcome to another episode of Alderaan A-Holes, episode 14 of our podcast. Thank you to all of our listeners for joining us and uh, following along on our journey through a galaxy far, far away. As we mentioned last episode, this time we are going to do a recap of all of Bad Batch or Dad Batch season one. Um, I was thinking of another title too. It could be uh, My Four Dads. Oh, that's good. So, Aren't they technically awful. siblings? Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. My the, four brothers. Yeah. The, oh, yeah, there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, my brother, but not your brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we're gonna recap the whole season. Uh, we're gonna touch on some things, and uh, but first, I wanted to announce that tonight we are broadcasting from. Tarkin's Slipper Palace on Eridu, located just south of the Carrion Plateau. So, do they have Pez? Uh, no Pez tonight. This is a Pez-free facility. I'm sorry to say, Scruffy. Because <laughs> oh, I am so, going through Pez withdrawals. That's one of the reasons we chose here tonight, uh, is to try to help you uh, dry out a little bit. Yeah, but drinking well, from Pez. a slipper sucks. Mm-hmm. Especially when you don't have so. any Pez to kill the taste. But did you see the slogans over the urinals? It says you may fire when ready. <laughs> That's it. It's 45 minutes of us laughing tonight, guys. Woo! Oh, you suck. Mountain Dew coming out my nose is not that pleasant. Not what he meant by firewood ready. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, no, sorry about that. That's burning. My eyes are watering. Okay, you gotta warn me before you do that again. I didn't think it had that much of an impact. I'm impressed. Yeah, that that was that was bad. Yeah, that's awesome. 
<laughs> Terribly. All awesome. right. So, let's. Uh, I thought we should define one thing before we get into the review of the season, which is a question that pops up every once in a while. Because everybody has their take on Star Wars, different parts of Star Wars. You know, we've talked about the different trilogies and how we feel about some of the different trilogies, the different movies. You know, and we've we do kind of have a, a slight agreement in the fact that really Star Wars is about fun. You know, that's what it's supposed to be is supposed to bring enjoyment and fun. But since we're going to kind of review this season as a whole, I thought we should ask the question: What is good Star Wars? Good Star Wars. It's um, you know, for it used to be for me. It had to be the original trilogy. It had to be all about the original trilogy. But you know, as you know, as the new the new stuff come started coming out, and by new I mean the last uh, five years, five seven years. I think right now it's kind of defined by me as anything that takes me back to that simpler time in life when I was a kid. You know, those familiar characters. Seeing you know how those familiar characters became what they are. Uh, you know, just kind of takes me back to when I was a kid, you know, with no worries, no bills, no adulting. Because, you know, adulting sucks. Man, that, that's way better than my answer. But Yeah, uh, I have more time to think about this. You know, you're, you're <laughs> absolutely right, Scruffy, because I think about it when I'm having a rough time, or my blood's boiling or whatever, I can throw any of the original tri trilogy movies on, and it's kind of like my safe space, and it brings me back and centers me and calms me down. You're not wrong, but Star Wars is all about character. I mean, if you had asked me this in 1980, I would have said Star Wars is all about Luke Skywalker. But, um, mm -hmm. and while he still is my favorite character, there's so many other stories um, in that galaxy far, far away that are just amazing. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're getting to see, you know, it only took you know, 40 years, but we're finally seeing those stories come to light that we all wanted when we were teenagers. End yeah. of rant. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think... Oh, back when we thought Star Wars was all about Luke Skywalker, it was a story of Luke Skywalker? <laughs> hey, the original novel is called Star Wars from the Adventures of Luke Skywalker. So. Oh, absolutely. That's why I always, you know? that's why I always thought you know the, those three movies it was all about Luke Skywalker, right? But then you know well, the, he was... the new trilogy come out and suddenly it's um, about the life of Darth Vader, right? You, well, you know in those original movies and us, you know I think we can really deep dive into this in another episode where we talk about why different groups <coughs> react to different phases of Star Wars, um, but. You know, going back to, like you said, you know, at first it used to be all about the OT, you know, the, the original trilogy. And Luke Skywalker was that, he was the, you know, for us as kids, he was the superhero of the movie, you know. And think about the era that we grew up in with movies and before Star Wars came out. He was the superhero without being a superhero, you know what I mean? Because he had powers and he used a, you know, giant electric glow stick lightsaber you know and it was it was cool you know in a galaxy of spaceships and and uh, uh, blasters and monsters and villains you still had the swashbuckler but in it was modernized with the you know with the lightsaber so it was 
he was kind of that superhero. Um, and then you're right. I, I think for me too, uh, you know, it's really nice to see for me right now in this day and age, good Star Wars is expansion of the universe, expansion of the stories, and for me, not dwelling overly so much on the original trilogy characters. Let's see the other stories like we're seeing right now, Bad Batch, Rebels, uh, Clone Wars even. But we want to see, you know, I want to see new stuff. Mando, that's why I just fell so in love with Mando in the fact that it was all new characters, it was new stories in the spirit of Star Wars, in the, you know, especially Mando. It definitely captured the spirit of the original trilogy. There was a little bit of cheekiness, there was a little bit of uh, uh, the fun, the fantasy. It, it took me right back to when I was, it had that, I had that feeling of when I was a kid. And, uh, but it's all new. It's new stories for older viewers like us that older fans, because we've moved out of that kid phase where we've moved away from the simplicity and we want the more complexity in the storytelling, but still pay respect to what came before it, you know? And I think, uh, like I said, we can deep dive into to fandom in another episode, and I think that's why there's so much division in between the sequels and everything else, is paying respect to what came before it. It doesn't have to be all nostalgia, because that gets boring after a while. We don't want nostalgia. That's why people... I've got a note about it when we talk about some of the stuff, but, you know, cameos and fillers, and some people like having the cameos from other series other people don't um you don't want it to be i don't want star wars now to be too pure nostalgia and i think that's why we kind of had the reaction a little bit about force awakens you know being that it was so much nostalgia um but we also want it to pay respect to the nostalgia you know but if that makes any sense and to me that's what that that's what makes good star wars mando definitely was for um definitely was for us older older Demograph, like yes. the first five minutes, <laughs> he got cut in half by a door. <laughs> that was brutal. Um, okay, so we've kind of defined that. So now we'll get into uh, something actually I just mentioned, which was cameos. So in this episode, or in this season, not this episode, the season of sixteen episodes, there were cameos from known characters. Um, but no OT, so you had your, you had Cam ba- Cad Bane, uh, you had the first animated appearance of Fennec, Shand, uh, bringing her back from Mando. Um, you had Hera and her parents. You had Kanan, you know, when he was still Caleb before he became Kanan. Uh, the Martez sisters, Rex, Saw Gerrera, Gregor, um, Tarkin. You know, it's funny, I don't really, you know, I, I don't want to see really that much out of the OT characters. I want to see it very sparingly, except for Tarkin for some reason. Tarkin, well, I don't seem to ever get enough. See, but but Tarkin didn't feel forced. It didn't feel like uh, they are like, well, we got to have a throwback figure, so let's throw this character in there. Tarkin was not a surprise. Yeah, we we you know he was kind of instrumental in that um, development of the Empire as we knew it in A New Hope. 
So, you know, his appearance was not a, not a shock, nor did it feel forced or anything like that, which is part of the things I hate about some of, some of the other cameo appearances, like, oh, Vader, really? Is Vader really necessary at this moment in the story? But Tarkin, Tarkin, Tarkin needed to be there. He is part of that development of the Empire. It totally agreed. I, I, I always wanted to see more of Tarkin, and they've got just enough of him behind the scenes pulling the strings, you know. And then they put the proxy villain in there with Rampart. So you've got mm -hmm. these different levels of villain, and you still haven't, thankfully, seen Vader or Palpatine. You know, they've got more immediate villains in front of their face, right down to Crosshair. You know, right. which, you know, in this case is the ultimate villain because he used to be one of them. Right. And actually, Palpatine was uh, was in the first episode, but it was really more yeah. just window window dressing to set the stage, you know, of the story. That's right. Know, I almost yeah. forgot that. They, they yeah, recreated that. some of episode three through animation. Right. So, were the cameos good were there any cameos you didn't you thought was a little much or did you think the cameos were pretty good oh the cameos were great they were right where they needed to be they moved the story along without feeling like um they had to they had to throw a they had to throw a bone to the, to the fans i thought they were excellent yeah the cameos all had purpose and i went back and and binged the well most of the season and some of those early episodes feel so long ago now that I, yes, I had I forgotten some of the tidbits throughout. And I, I too, was counting the cameos. And um, still can do without the Martez sisters. But they were a little more mature in this in this instance than they were in Clone Wars. Um, my train of thought just derailed, folks. So somebody bring me I, back. You need some pass. I, I, I actually liked the Martez sisters in this series. Uh, and they, I felt like they were just used enough, and and I felt that way about all the cameos. They were, the characters were just used enough. Um, I think the probably what the biggest cameo was probably Hera, being two episodes long, but again, it still felt, it felt good. I mean, uh, I, you know, the episode first episode, uh, Devil's Deal, you know. Yeah, we didn't see much of Bad Batch, and it was almost like it was a prequel. Well, it was a prequel episode to Rebels, but it it still moved along, and it was kind of nice to see something else happening in the universe at large outside of the Bad Batch. Um, Help break up that A-Team theme we had yeah, going on. Yes. Yes. Um, yet still supported it, because what was Absolutely. their role in the episode? Delivery Boys. So, you know... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I didn't mind the Martez. I li actually like the Martez sisters better in this because, like you said, they were a little, they had matured as characters yes. a little bit. So, um, yeah, I think, and you know, Saw Gerrera, you know, Saw Gerrera's in every series now. He's becoming like Darth Vader in a way, where you gotta have Saw Gerrera in almost every series. Uh, if he hadn't died in Rogue One, he probably would have been in Resistance. <laughs> hey, but... hey, he might not. Darth Maul got cut in half, still made a comeback. He might. That's true. Good point. That's as long true. as we don't have a don't have any green, blue rabbits in there, I'm fine. <laughs> Ouch. Um, but, but you I know, think... Saw, Saw's role 
had a function within the story. You know, with the with the creation of the non non clone garrison or squad, it was small. The elite, the elite squad. Yeah, then. you yeah. know, it, there was development there, and and there was a lot to do with uh, choices going on, and that's what his character I thought I saw as you know pivotal for that. And then, oh nope, he disappeared. He wasn't there. You know, yep. so we really, used him he and was... he got out. Yeah, really, he was the catalyst of their change. He was the first real big decision they had to make in terms of servicing, serving the Empire or going out on their own. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point there. I didn't really quite view it like that, but it, it was their pivotal moment. Yeah. Yeah, that was the catalyst for change right there. And it was also... Not that he was in the scene, but the last part, the second half of that, when Crosshair and the Elite Squad comes in, and they make the or Crosshair makes the decision to take out the civilians. You know, I mean, it was a it was a pivotal moment for him. You know, in his leading of that new squad and where his character was going. Absolutely. I mean, when he takes out his own trooper to set an example, he mm-hmm. he garners the allegiance he thinks he deserves. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the same situation, two different outcomes with two different groups of people. It's all about choice. Mm-hmm. So, cameos overall, good, bad, neutral? I thought they were great. Well used. I really thought they yeah. were. And as with everything in the Filoniverse, there's a purpose for them. Or, yes. or there's a, there will be down the line. Because we, I don't think we've seen the last of Hera. No, obviously not. We haven't well, seen the last of... Yeah. <laughs> Other yeah. than the obvious <laughs> series. Well, maybe they should do an entire series about Hera and Caleb. Maybe they'll get together. Oh, wouldn't that be great? Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, you're a genius. <laughs> Was there... Did, okay, last thing about cameos. Did you have a favorite cameo? Cad Bane. Of... That fight scene was awesome. Surprising, it's hard right? to argue with that. Although, right from the beginning with with Caleb slash Kanan, that that was nice right off the bat because you had heard about the stories in Rebels. You know what were the last things your master ever said to you? And here they're actually showing it. Um, oh, absolutely! That would be my second my second yeah. favorite cameo there for I, sure. I was I was super impressed that. We didn't even hear any rumors about it, and that, that's just how the ser- the whole series popped off. was was pretty exciting. Um, I would have to say probably, yeah, I was real close on Cad Bane, but I really think the uh, and as much as I love Rex, I think uh, introducing the you know Fennec uh, and her character and her the begin seeing the beginning of her journey to where and now seeing the beginning and we've seen where she's at in the Mandovers. So, I thought that was uh, kind of my favorite. I don't think we've seen the last of her in Bad Batch either. No, no, especially if you know if they do go the underworld route in season two, which I think uh, they've definitely laid a lot of plot threads for it to definitely go that route. Uh, there was some producer or somebody in the show related in the show did say there's going to be a time jump between season one and season two. They didn't say how long of a time jump. Which I think would make sense. Uh, how the way the season one ended, I 
it's a perfect spot to just kind of time jump and then say, you know, six months, nine months, a year later, a year and a half, and they're, I could totally see season two opening with, and the way they opened it, you can see them just running a mission right at the beginning of episode one, you know, being in the middle of a mission or something, and they've been on this consistency track for a while of just doing missions for Roz, um, you know, to stock up cheers. And, <laughs> it, you, you know, know we keep calling her Roz. I know, and that something's going to go haywire, and that's where the season, you know, starts off. But then again, you know us in theories, who knows? I mean... Yeah, then we don't have uh, to watch all those 18 missions, you know? Exactly. Oh, speaking of that, so I saw something online, and I want to give credit where credit is due. Somebody from... uh, Okay, so Star Wars Holocron on Twitter, they are another podcast group, and they posted something after the last episode, which I thought was kind of cool, which was when they go back into their old barracks and you see all those, and Wrecker's all excited because there's all the slashes from all the missions. Um, according to Star Wars Holocron, there were 55 marks on the wall, and then during that episode, Wrecker carves in 11 new ones. And 55 plus 11 is... Ooh! 66. Man, wow. somebody's so, really got time to check these things out, don't they? I know, right? So, uh, kudos to Star Wars Holocron. Uh, wow. And whether that's whether that's true or not, I'm going to believe it. And, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Well, yeah, go, thanks, Star Wars count. Holocron. I, I, I'm impressed. Yeah. That, that is impressive. So... I do love the okay. comment where uh, they, they commented, at least it doesn't smell anymore. <laughs> yes. That was uh, the text, text, yep. that text line? Yeah, text yep. only line of the episode. Um, all right, so moving on to the next thing. There were different bad guys. There was Admiral Rampart, Tarkin behind the scenes. Um, in a way, Roz is kind of a chaotic neutral character in the fact that she's kind of trap the boys and getting them to do these missions for her, uh, which is a lot of Underworld-related, as we found out. Um, But then there's Crosshair, who is... uh, Yeah, so he's a bad... He is a bad guy in the show, I would say, um, and he's committed enough senseless murder that uh, now only a Padme-type character would fall in love with him. But, uh... Hey, at least he's not wielding the... The, the, uh, the Youngling Slayer Youngling 3000? Slayer 3000, the Youngling yes. Slayer 3000, So, in ter- I wanted to touch on character development and Crosshair's development through the series versus the Dad Batch, uh, or Bad Batch, uh, development dad, through the series. Dad batch. Um, there to be the bro yeah. batch. Bro batch. Oh, there you go. Bro <laughs> batch. Um, I think it's pretty easy to see, you know, bad batch, that group, they were embracing the change in the galaxy. They were moving away um, from the Empire. And, you know, there were several instances where Hunter made the choice to take them in that new direction to, um, you know, become the mercenaries, become the, the the delivery boys, you know, carve out their new path to take care of them, 
knowing that he didn't want to, they didn't want to, to work under the Empire anymore because they could see the, the, the evil and the bad that the Empire was doing already. So that's the easy character development. But with Crosshair, um, what did you think about his development through the through the season? Well, it's hard to say, hard to give that answer without going back to that that Clone Wars piece where you could see you know, the final season of Clone Wars, where you could see that there's a dif- definitive difference between him and the rest of the group. He's much uh, much darker character. And that really picked up at the uh, opening season, opening episode of um, Bad Batch, where you know you can see that uh, you know they all have a conscience except for Crosshair, where you know he's the good soldier and good soldiers follow orders, regardless of what that order may be. Versus uh, the rest of the group who seem to have a conscience, they recognize right away that uh, okay, the Republic is gone, the Empire has taken over, and now they want us to kill all the Jedi. That's not right. Versus Crosshair is going down a really dark path and is immediately going to follow those orders regardless. Yeah, I think we touched on this in another episode, but he has a lot in common with other Star Wars villains in that he's all about what's in it for him. Mm-hmm. You know, his own personal desires for power. Um, you know, obviously Rampart, Tarkin, Vader, Palpatine, all have that in common. And he's focused on what's best for him, not what's best for the team or the galaxy. And 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 having having binged it, um, I paid particular attention to the development of his helmet because that's kind of a proxy for his personality. He's just getting darker and darker as the season goes on. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, and he. It seems like he becomes even more and more militant. You know, through the season uh, as it's going on. But I also wonder, you know, where the Bad Batch was not afraid of adapting and embracing the change, it almost seemed like he was the polar opposite. He was afraid of change. He wanted to stay in the military. He wanted to continue because really he doesn't he doesn't do that much outside of what he's told to do. No, good soldiers follow orders. And it's almost like... uh, you know, he wanted to be told what to do. He was afraid of the change that was coming to the galaxy. He had grown up to be the ultimate soldier, and now the thought of not of being outside that structure, that rigid mindset, I think, scared him. And so he just clung on to it even tighter. Um, and speaking of good soldiers follow orders, did you catch in the last episode when he's going back and forth with Hunter? He doesn't say good soldiers follow orders he just said soldiers Soldiers. yeah yep i did catch that because he had made the choice at that point we knowing that you know now that we know the chip is is out um or so he says so he says but then uh, so does the producer yeah we confirmed that um but i just thought that also that change in the statement was kind of a proof that he didn't have well he's almost insulting the 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 other four you know, mm-hmm. by saying they're not soldiers anymore, you've, right. you've forsaken what you were bred to be. Right. To him, that's an insult. Um, and I think he doesn't know, 
you know, the guys struggled with a purpose. They struggled with, you know, and I think Omega gave them that purpose to, to continue on to do whatever they had to do. Whereas Crosshair was looking for that bigger, uh, more grandiose purpose, where the Empire was kind of laying that out for him. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to. Um, uh, he didn't want to be out of know. his comfort zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, his comfort zone. He didn't want to be out of the comfort zone. And it's funny because he even chide, you know, he even jump, jumps on on his brothers, you know, talking about how they're doing things that are below them. You know, he thinks that all this thinking on your own and doing the mercenary stuff and the A-Team stuff is below them, uh, which, you know, might be another reason that they showed that, that they put the episode infested where they did right before the finale. Because, it, you know... Of all the missions, Infested was kind of like the, really? You gotta do that? You know, it was kind of below them in a way. You're right. So I, 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 I was a train of thought. Crosshair did rescue Omega at the end of that final season there. Mm-hmm. Do you think he did that uh, because he suddenly got a conscience or because he knows that the mission is still to bring Omega in? Speaking of his development and where he's going. Right. Um, or didn't, wasn't there a line when they were standing on the platform? He said something about now we're even. Uh, he did. With Omega. He did, so but. He might be someone that feels like he's got to pay his debts since she did kind of. She was the mastermind of the escape plan because she's in charge, really. Well, and she saved him when he was pinned under. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So may, he might be one of those, as skewed as his honor system may be, he still may be somewhat honor-bound. It was just I, something I was thinking about earlier today, you know, because my mind started to wander. Because I tried watching Resistance and that just <laughs> didn't work. Well, you know, you, I think you're right is that it's his code of honor, but... We don't really know what his relationship is with Rampart fully. And obviously Rampart is in charge of whatever the cloners are going to do next. And early in the season, they keep talking about needing to get her back because Django Fett's DNA had degraded. Right. So, you know, there's a possibility that he knows, hey, I've got to keep this girl alive for some reason. That could be. That could very well be. And going back to what you were discussing earlier about him you know being in his comfort zone in the military uh i think and and this goes back even to you know their whole inception i think there was a bit of jealousy between crosshair and hunter because hunter is the natural leader and yeah and now he's got the opportunity to be in his comfort zone and be the leader of his men which I, I think he always wanted to be the leader of the Bad Batch of Clone Force 99. And he was never given that opportunity. And here he has it now within his um, comfort zone. So, do you guys have any Pez? <laughs> <laughs> Knock it off, Scruffy. Hmm. Um, Going through his draws here. I'm tweaking. <laughs> tweaking. So don't be twerking. Tweaking. Tweaking no. at Oh, no, tweaking there's no Tarkins. twerking. There's no, there's no twerking. There'll be no twerking at Tarkins. I, I 
didn't tell you I signed you guys up for the twerking contest at Tarkin's? Bring it on. <laughs> Damn, good thing I'm wearing my gold bikini under this. Bring it on. You've got um, something on underneath that? I don't yeah. know where to go with that. I'm, I'm leaving that alone. <laughs> never turned on, so. <laughs> I'm, never mind. I'm leaving that alone. That, Moving that, right along. Uh, next, that next topic. right into the next topic I was going to talk about. Oh, the most kid annoying friendly. kid? Uh, <laughs> yeah, which is I was going to talk about, which is kid-friendly. Um, so, okay, so of the modern Filoni-induced animation, modern animation, that's kind of what we're comparing things to. Clone Wars, Rebels, Resistance, even, um, and then bad batch there is the kid you know the kid that's got to go through the journey and grow so i thought it would be kind of fun to ask the question out of the four series and for this for con for a little bit of humor and some context i feel like in resistance uh kazuto was the most childlike in terms of because he was kind of the center character um so we'll rank him in there but out of the four, Omega, Ezra, Ahsoka, and Kazuda, who was the least annoying kid character of season one of their shows? Not the whole series, but just season one. Season one. Go ahead, DB. <laughs> um, I, I gotta go with Ezra. I, I as, didn't find as the him... least annoying. As the least annoying. Wow, okay. Um, and, and I'll give you my reasons why. I think he had a quick um, arc in, into his growth. Um, yeah, he had some annoying characteristics. And I, I'm going to be the first to admit, Rebels took me a full season to actually uh, get into and, and, and enjoy the characters. Um, I, I know a lot of people would say Ahsoka, but... You know the whole sky guy thing at the beginning. Ooh, that 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 rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, that's because so. you're a Luke fan. Um, a Skywalker fan, I should say. And you know, as much as as much as I like um, Omega, um, again, having binged the series, she gets a little whiny when she has to be the conscience of the group. She's always the one that has to convince the group, come on, we got to go do this. And it, 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 when it's damn near every episode, it's a little much. And then Kazuda, you know, as, as I'm currently watching Resistance for the first time, you're the man. Not, not targeted at my generation. Um, so I'm trying to watch it through the eyes of a seven year old. <laughs> That's a little too mature. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's some goofy humor in there in there and we can talk about this another time cuz uh what's the green character on that show? Niku. Uh, Niku. Um just it makes Jar Jar look like a philosopher. So, you know, it's, it's goofy At times, humor. yes. So, but you know, there, there you go. I've ranked my top four. I guess Ezra is the least annoying in the first season to me. All right, Scruffy. You know, yes, Guy Guy was a little annoying, but you know, Ahsoka for me was the least annoying of the of all three. Not that there was anything 
annoying about Ezra or Omega, but you know, it's just I thought Ahsoka was the least annoying. Is that, you know, Sky Guy was a little annoying, but eh, those who know me well know everybody's got a nickname of some sort for me. Whether they mm-hmm. like it or not, everybody's got a nickname. <laughs> uh, you know, Ezra's, Ezra's character development for sure uh, was was quick, uh, quicker in the first episode. And of course, Omega, probably the third least annoying. But um, man, even if he would have put Jar Jar and made a cameo appearance in Bad Batch, it still would have not have been as annoying as Kaz. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, if you, anybody out there listening to this, you guys like Resistance, that's fine. You know, great. I don't bash anybody for what they like or don't like. But for me, I just cannot do it. I tried watching it again. I just can't. I just my, I just sit there. I try to get focused on it. And it's like my my ADHD kicks in. Like, oh, squirrel. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm thinking about something completely different. And I'm already two episodes into it, something I haven't even watched. You know, Brown Leader, I think we have to have a whole episode on what we don't like about Star Wars and why it's okay to still like it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good topic. That's a short topic. We'll have to add that to the list. Jar Jar, a blue rabbit, and Resistance. There you go. Uh, well, I'm done. What? Why are you hating on Jackson? Come on, he's supposed to be joining us. It's a blue rabbit, man. It's only, yeah. it's, it's only second annoying to uh, the Tribbles. Or whatever well, he, those things are called. He was going to bring tribbles for you, but back to the topic. Uh, back to the <laughs> sorry, back to topic. Uh, yes, Which yes, is uh, the least annoying to you, Brown Leader? Um. So, I really uh, one of the. I would say probably Ahsoka, uh, as long as we leave the movie out of, we don't consider the movie part of season one. If. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think the movie's that bad. Uh, I'm probably the only one in the world that thinks that, though. I mean, the movie's... No, it's not horrible. It's definitely better than Resistance, in my opinion. Oh, good but, one, yes. A holiday special's know. better than Resistance. And and it wasn't really so much Anakin and Ahsoka, really. I think what makes me cringe so much about the movie, it was just the whole baby hut thing. But Okay, uh, I agree with you there. You know, and I think that's why my initial stinky. reaction... Yeah, stinky. Yes, stinky. Um, Ezra was a little too mopey for me in the beginning. It was the uh, that uh, um, it was almost like uh, little orphan Annie on Pez. And... <laughs> right, you had to bring up Pez. I hadn't thought about that in three seconds. No, you know Ezra. It, like I said, now get into seasons two and three, and especially when you involve Maul and Ahsoka. I mean, Ezra really just blossomed as a character. But for season one, um, was definitely a little cringy for me. Kaz, we're not even going to, I think we're all in consensus about Kaz. Uh, And Omega, you know, it's kind of a, it was a real toss-up. Actually, and for Omega, yes, did she have the episode in, what was it, Um, Cornered on Pantora, you know, where she does the dumb kid thing and follows... What was it the the loth uh, loath cat or something? She gets lost and then she's the damsel in distress and has to be rescued. Yeah, there was all of that. Yep. But, but, I think because we've seen enough. For me, we've seen enough Star Wars to know that there, 
there is going to be the kid of the show and they've got to go through the arc I think it didn't bother me as much because it was almost like I kind of expected it uh, and I didn't really the, the whininess about being the conscience it, it didn't really again it didn't really I guess it really didn't phase me as much um, so I almost went with Omega but uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna. I, I think I'm gonna lean towards Ahsoka as, for me, the least annoying out of all the kids in season one. You know, uh, when uh, when Omega took off and followed the wolf cat and got lost and had to be rescued, first person that popped into my head, Walking Dead, Carl. Like, Dude, kid's always in trouble. Kid's always got to be rescued. Carl, damn it, Carl. Yep. Yeah. But you know, looking back. Think think about her character. She was born in a laboratory, lived on a water planet her whole life. I mean, the things that she saw, like the first time they jumped to hyperspace, he, you know, Hunter tells her, hey, yeah. you're not going to want to miss this. And then when they, they land on... Um, damn on if land? I can remember. Huh? On land? When they landed on land, When, when they landed on land there in episode <laughs> doesn't, two. doesn't really and, matter where. I mean, when you're stuck on a water planet. She's fascinated by dirt. You know, everything is new to her. So I can kind of forgive her for being a dum-dum and walking away in the busy marketplace. Okay, yeah, you have a valid point there, I guess, that uh, it, truly I didn't really think of it that way. It was just the first thing that popped into my head. Carl from Walking Dead always getting in trouble. <laughs> well, and it's a trope, you know, it, it's a it's a standard plot. Oh, absolutely. Uh, situation, you know, that we've seen many times in different stories. Carl from The Walking Dead... You know, we've seen it over and over again. You know, anytime you have the adults and the kid, the kid is going to do something dumb, get themselves in trouble. And then the team has to rally together. See, I never did that. You know, to save. When I You're was still doing it. <laughs> Why do you think we're drying you out here at Tarkin's? <laughs> uh, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> All right. So, uh, next thing, real quick, and this one uh, I don't think will take us as long to go through, but... Uh, season length the length of the season so bad batch was 16 episodes so was rebels for season one uh resistance was 21 man episodes. you did your homework i did and clone wars was 22 episodes do you think the 16 episodes of bad batch was enough just right uh was it uh was it too hot too cold or just <laughs> right <laughs> too much is never enough i could have gone for more I could add another five episodes without a problem. Okay. You know, I think we yeah. all grew up in, in a time where uh, a season was 24 to 28 episodes of something. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just a product of business these days. Seasons are down to 10 to 15 episodes to make a full season, but they're of a better production quality. And that's definitely the case uh, with Bad Batch. And I understand why they did 16, but... Personally, I could have done another five. Okay. Do you think they could have tightened up the story and eliminated any episodes? No, I enjoyed every episode, which is I, uh, not, not characteristic of me. A couple of them felt like fillers when you're watching them, but then you see the overall, again, like infested. What was the purpose of this? Well, it's kind of showing them the really crappy stuff they have to do to eat, you know, in the new world. In the right. new galaxy, so that and you had to have an Indiana Jones throwback. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. I was going to bring that up if you didn't. 
All right. Next thing. Uh, before we get to the final list of likes and dislikes of, that we had for uh, and final rankings, but favorite episode of the season. Uh, tough one for me. Um, I love the first episode. Um, right from the right from the very the very second it came on, the uh, the Clone Wars banner is there, and suddenly it burns away to reveal the Bad Batch banner. I thought that was awesome. Uh, the same Clone Wars narrator right at the beginning, although you never hear him again after that. I noticed that. Isn't that fantastic? They started yep. it off just like Clone Wars, and it just morphed into this whole other beast. And it was done beautifully, in my opinion. Uh, I love to see what's. I love to see what was happening on other planets at that and of the gal other parts of the galaxy at that same moment in time. You know how a movie is usually seen through that main character's point of view. And you don't really see anything else, but you know, with this, it helped you to see what was going on someplace else through another char- main character's point of view. In this case, you know, they start out on the they start out rescuing, you know, being the backup for the uh, Clone Wars team, the other Clone War, the clones there, and then you hear Tex say, you know, I don't think this is gonna, I think this is gonna end soon. Obi Wan has engaged Grievous on Utapa. Then the battle's over. They get back on Camino, and then you hear Palpatine addressing the addressing the the galaxy through his uh, the, the Palpatine speech. You hear in Revenge of the Sith. You know, it's just it was just awesome to be able to see other other things happening at that same moment in time. That's kind and of then, what they um, did with the last story arc of uh, Clone Wars too. Yep, and that was uh, you know, the similar the similar scenes that I was thinking about, where the clone, final Clone Wars season ends, where Obi Wan and Anakin get called back to Coruscant. Or the uh, Tar- Tartakovsky's uh, Clone Wars ended right where Revenge of the Sith started. I mean, it was just it was just awesomely done, I think. And but that Kanan Jarrus beginning, uh, you you really got to see how he became the person that he is in that very beginning of that episode, especially when it came to Rex uh, when Ahsoka sent him out to find Rex. Yes. Uh, in in, uh, in Rebels, I just mm-hmm. I loved uh, I loved that episode as a whole. I've actually watched that three or four times uh, since since we started watching the Clone Wars, just because I love it so much. And then, of course, you know the uh, the fight scene between Shennick and Cad Bane was an awesome one. But the sarcasm in uh, Episode Seven, Battle Scars, I love that that one was a good one. Uh, where Omega says, "I don't think Ruby likes us much," and Rucker says, "You named that thing." <laughs> and the next scene, Wrecker's running around screaming, "Get it off! Get it off!" So, or so back to episode or Sid. Uh, I suggest you figure out something before you see my ugly side. <laughs> Jack replies, "That's your ugly side." And Sid replies, "What's that goggles?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, so season for so episode one was your favorite. episode one was my favorite. Yeah. All right, DB. It's hard to argue everything he said. Episode one um, just picks up right where you want it to, and you instantly see the galaxy changing. And it was everything that I wanted in a series, Um, nothing that I expected from this series. I think I spoke about that early on. I thought this would just be A-Team in space, and yeah, I had those episodes. But that was establishing character, establishing um, how they're surviving in the galaxy, and so on. Um, but the first episode was fantastic, and beyond that, I have to go to a, a tie between 
episodes uh, 14 and 15 where they really set up the final showdown between the batch and crosshair which i enjoyed the finale but i think all the tension was really in the discovery you know it was really a three-act play you know and, and and i'd have to go with the middle one because it had some a lot of fun stuff with the fighting on the training training floor and so on and so forth but man it's hard to pick a favorite because this this series is so well done Without a doubt. Uh, for myself, I think I would have to go with episode eight, Reunion, uh, which is when they, after they get the chips removed and they have to uh, escape from Baraka, and Crosshair shows up with his uh, troops, and they're, they're basically they're hunting, and they have to outsmart, you know, they're trying to outsmart each other. So oh, that was a very they have good. this pl- they have this plan, but then Crosshair knows their plan because. He's part of their group, you know, and so there they are in the bay with all of the uh, the uh, the cannons, you know, in the that section of the ship, and you know, be, and then they realize, oh crap, we can't do our normal stuff because we're up against one of our own. Um, but I thought that whole episode was just phenomenal in terms of the action. Um, it also had one of my favorite parts, which is. Wrecker throwing a proton torpedo at a flame trooper uh, to get him out of the way. I don't know why that makes me. I guess it just makes me giggle like a little boy. Uh, it's just I just thought that was so funny. Um, the you know the uh, the ingenuity of going out through the the engines, um, and then the the duel, the showdown uh, with Cad Bane, Hunter and Cad Bane. Uh, that whole setup and the tension building, the music, uh, the detail, the level of detail on the helmet of Hunter's helmet, the chipped paint and the uh, was just amazing. And then when he wakes up and having that first person view through his visor was just, I don't know, again, it just made me feel just giddy like a little boy. It was just so exciting to see something different like that. And and also, you know, here you got the badass of Hunter and the badass of Cad Bane, and who's going to win that draw? Who really is going to win that draw? And they played it out just long enough, you know, without overplaying it. Um, but yeah, I, I think overall, I think that that was probably my favorite uh, episode. Was that the same episode where uh, Wrecker is trying to teach um, Omega how to dis, uh, disarm yes. a yes? <laughs> Okay, yes. that was at an awesome very, scene. Yep, at the at the very beginning. Yep, that's an awesome scene. Yeah. More of the good humor that makes Star Wars what it is. Yes, yes. Some of that banter, you know, uh, that was one of that was always my favorite thing about Clone Wars was, uh, uh, and even the movies, uh, the prequel movies was one of my favorite parts. Is always the banter between Obi Wan and Anakin. Uh, you know, that was what made it so much fun. If I... but yeah, so I'd have to go. I'd have to go with Reunion, although. The dialogue in the last couple episodes, you know, just the, the back and forth and the, the dialogue about who they were and really kind of coming to grips. Oh, also in Reunion, that was the episode to me where they Hunter really fully got the team to embrace the mercenary lifestyle. Because they were like, oh, we got to get out of here. Uh, we got to run. 
you know, the scrappers know we're here, we got a bolt, but he's like, no, 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 wait. We still got to make money. We still got to feed ourselves. We still have to, you know, so we can make a lot of money if we take some of this armament. And the team was like, oh, yeah, you're right. You know, and I think they came to realization that this is what we've got to do. We've got to survive. And uh, so I thought that was kind of a pivotal point for the team as a whole, not just Hunter. So. Yeah, they no longer uh, get their three squares a day in a cot. So Exactly. <clears throat> Speaking of three squares, I can't get any Pez here. Can I get some Mantel mix? <laughs> I did see uh, they'd serve some sort of a mix at Galaxy's Edge, and it's called uh, Galaxy's Edge Mix or something, or Outpost Mix or something. And uh, Seriously? Yeah, seriously. All right, Paul, I'm listeners, going. if you could see Scruffy's face. I'm going He's right excited. Now. Hey, I am th- packing my bag. Little, little throwback here. We're talking about you know the most and least annoying children how come we didn't throw wrecker into that discussion and i i say that seriously because he's the one with the child's mind well probably because uh we act just like him sometimes most of the time okay fair <laughs> point i can live yeah. with that yeah yeah okay i'm good with that <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, nobody's got nothing uh, we got nothing. Listeners, if you have anything, uh, feel free. Put it in the comments below. All right, so uh, likes and dislikes of the season, kind of uh, what were the highlights and the things that you... And when I say dislikes, it could be dislikes or uh, even things that you wish they would have done. You're up, DP. I'm not, oh, I really oh, got. I really got to think of this time? one. <laughs> I really got to think about this one. I don't. Yeah. Well, you know, things I wish they would have done, they may still do, and we've talked about it many times. The um, clones having a revolution against, or uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, you know, standing up for themselves. Um. But on the downside, oh, oh gosh, what didn't I like? I'll get back to you on that, because <laughs> it's okay. good. And I think, and, and this is this is my opinion, I think they've got the coolest Star Wars ship in a long time. I like it even better than the Razor Crest. The Marauder? Oh, yeah. the Marauder is epic. The Marauder is a badass ship. But come on, the Razor Crest is the Civic, is the Civic, uh, or the Honda Civic of the galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> that thing just takes a beating and keeps running. And I didn't say I didn't like the Razor Crest. It's it's it a whole a, it's a whole different beast, literally. It it took a blast from a from a frigate to destroy that thing. <laughs> but the Marauder's just friggin' sleek and yeah, you know, sleek and menacing. Menacing. There you go. Yes. It is, you know, it's, it's a cool ship. Of of the of the original trilogy, you know the 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 Imperial shuttle was always my one of my favorite ships. Is it just had a more elegant, sleek look to mm-hmm. it. And then you bring out, um, you know, and you bring out the Bad Batch, and now you have that similar look, but it's just mean and menacing looking. Yeah, come on, well, Hasbro, really... where's our where's our home version? Because I would That's so it. buy that. I really like how they. Also, it, it when you know we pointed this out uh, back at the beginning of the season. Somebody I found it online, and somebody had made the comparison how it does kind of resemble the Camino Dart, 
that Obi-Wan shows to, uh, uh, who was it, Daxon at the diner, and uh, which is how he got clued into the oh, corners yeah. in, yeah. the, or in the first place. Um, yeah, it kind of resembles that Camino dart in a way, which I thought was always kind of a cool, again, very cool reference. Um, I guess for me, the dislikes, it's not a big list. It's, I wish they had kind of pushed back a little bit uh, Omega's rise to power in the group, so to speak, you know. Um, you know, it kind of came on pretty fast in the season for me. Um, you know, so, but it did make it that much more funny when Crosshair points it out at the end of the season. Um, oh, she's in charge, you know, and how many episodes have we talked about that already mm-hmm. by that point? Um, to me, I can never get enough Rex, but uh, I also am realistic in the fact that if Rex had been in the show more, it would have been, he would have overshadowed the team. Um, this was really about them and not Rex. And then I think the biggest thing I was disappointed was there, and again, they could go into more of this in season two very easily, but I really feel that Echo did get somewhat of the short end in terms of character development. You know, um, I referenced it a couple times where uh, through the season where he would have like little glimpses, he would just get these particular looks on his face when other characters were saying things or doing something, and it was almost like I could just imagine the PTSD, you know, <laughs> what his character is going through. And it just, uh, I really like Echo as a character, considering his whole backstory and what he's been through. And sometimes it just felt like he was relegated to being the droid among the group to, you know, access the panels and, and do this or do that. So Well, there was the episode oh. where they literally disguised him as a droid. Yes, exactly. Yep. In in uh, corner, yeah. I, th- I think you're so, onto something there, though, because... As the season progressed, I think dialogue amongst some characters dwindled and it really became more Hunter Omega for, uh, focused. Yes. Hunter uh, Omega and Wrecker. Well, in Wrecker, Wrecker's the comedic relief, but. Right. Yeah, Tech and Echo, um, I don't want to say their roles were diminished, but there was less character development amongst those two. Right. It wasn't really until episode um, probably 12, Rescue on Ryloth, that Tech really, you know, they really started giving Tech a lot more because he was doing the whole Tokyo Drift thing in the mm-hmm. ship. Oh, I'm sorry. No, what the what was the episode where they go to Raxus? You know, he was good in that episode as well. And really, you know, again, proving his own in the group. And... You know, from that point on, and then with Rescue on Ryloth, and even Infested, you know, he had a larger role. Uh, he's the one that saved their bacon with that whole light bomb thing, you know, when they were uh, grabbing the uh, spice. and Save their bacon. Yeah, save their bacon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so he definitely got some love, you know, because halfway through the season, I could even see it online a lot. People were like, what about Tech and Reco? What Echo? What about Tech and Echo, you know? And uh, I would have liked to have seen, and again, they could explore this, and it could be very well within the character that, of course, the longer things go on, he's maybe struggling with all of the change and all of what's going on, and he's internalizing as opposed to, you know, 
externalizing, if that's a word, which it's not. So It is now. We just make up words. Uh, yeah, exactly. Farfig Nugent. Um, so, yeah, so I think, like I said, short list, that's kind of what I would say. Um, and for the things we like, I think... I definitely, I think we can all agree on, you know, the animation was outstanding. Fantastic. The music, uh, the music, you guys really cued in on that. I'm not as keen on that. I, I don't pick that up as fast as you guys do. But I know the music was uh, great, the sound effects, the audio. Um, we agreed that they didn't really overplay the cameos, which was really nice. Um, we all agreed that text line in the last episode about understanding you but not having to agree with you was such a powerful line you know that kind of summarized a lot of the season um you know and then creating that larger arc from clone wars to bad batch to mando to the sequels with the whole cloning thing we know that that's an arc now for sure you know that's that's canon so um i think we can all agree on those and we got invested in the characters. You know, they they took this... When they announced Bad Batch, it was kind of like, well, okay, I guess. It's a show. Uh, Filoni's doing it. I'll give it a chance, you know. Uh, and we joked about it being Clone Wars Season 8, you know, which it, uh, in the beginning kind of was. But in the end, we got invested in the characters. We really did. Um but I think those are all the likes that we can agree on. Is there any extra you guys would add to the list? Mantel mix. <laughs> Still stuck on my Mantel mix. Oh, the man can't have his Mantel mix or Pez. We are in trouble. I, I really dig on Omega's uh, bow and arrow. Okay. It's just nice I to have. see a different type of weapon in the universe. I do like it better than the electric slingshot. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot about <laughs> the electric slingshot. Okay. You have a very valid point there. Yeah, that was that was terrible. Oh, you know, and one of the other likes, and I think we touched on this at the very beginning of the episode tonight, which was, you know, what makes good Star Wars? There was nostalgia, a lot of Easter eggs, so it was a lot of respect to the nostalgia, but it wasn't overplayed i don't i don't feel a lot of it. no absolutely no it wasn't overplayed. It was overplayed at all. it was just enough to kind of bring me back to that warm fuzzy feeling of being a kid before i had to do adult things like pay bills and work and right. not have any pez i realized just <laughs> how much and realized just how much star wars stuff costs oh yeah we won't let's, we won't go there tonight <laughs> Well, you know, right. nostalgia doesn't have to be, you know, a character or a weapon or, you know, something. Just the familiar familiarity of places we've been before or ships we've seen before. Or um, names we heard. Or yeah. Mantel. And, yes, it's a big galaxy, but, um, you know, some things are connected within the galaxy. Even if it's just character A and character B have both been there at different times in different situations. Right. And I, I appreciate that. Um, okay, so final question. We'll wrap this summary up. Ranking the four modern animated 
shows, and I'm uh, we're not going to count what's that other one, um, Galaxy Adventures or something. I, I don't know. No. Basically, where they're that's kind of a kids retelling of, of the, the movies, which um, is still better than Resistance. <laughs> I'm a little murky on your feelings here. Is it the lack yeah, of Pez talking or what? It's a lack of Pez talking. I'm a little bitter right now. Get, I'm going through withdrawals. Getting a little edge. Um, okay, so of the four shows, Clone Wars, Bad Batch, Resistance, and Rebels, how would you guys rank those? Are we just talking first season? Okay. Yes. Sorry, I meant to add that caveat. Season one, how would you rank them? It's not Scruffy, even close. <laughs> yeah, Scruffy, let's start with you. Man. You sprung that one on me. Um, Bad Batch. It was just a Bad Batch would have to be the best. It's just a grittier, a little, um, little grittier, a little darker um, season one than like Clone Wars. Clone Wars would have to be the second, and then um, Rebels would have to be the third. And of course, we will already know where I feel, what how I feel ranks last. <laughs> All right, DB. I have the same rankings and probably for the same reasons. At least with Bad Batch, they went in. There was a story from point A to point B they were going to tell. Um, And they already had so many established rules and characters and everything else. They could jump right in and just play in this time frame. Um, Clone Wars, I would rank second. Although the first season was a real spotty on that one. And Rebels I put third because um, that one really took me until the second season to get invested in the characters. I think they were they were really trying to find their way after the success of Clone Wars. What do we do with a new set of characters? And they, they get it. They, they, they found their place. And Resistance, I'm not all the way through season one, but it doesn't deserve to be in this conversation. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't even no, just deserve to it's be not, it's, it's not in. The, it's not in the same category at all. No, it's not. I'm going to flip one and two. I'm going to go with Clone Wars as one. You still think Clone Wars is number one? Okay, so for me, I, it, was a real, it was a real hard toss-up. And it really depended on what viewpoint I was looking through, uh, what certain point of view I was looking at it from. And... For me, I gave a few extra respect points to Clone Wars because Clone Wars, yes, as spotty as it is in Season 1, which, um, by the way, Season 1 also had the Ryloth arc uh, where Mace goes to uh, to save Ryloth. But um, there was that... Okay, so back in the original time of Star Wars we had that dark period then the prequels came out and the prequels were you know were pretty good but we also had special editions during that time you know and there was a lot of there was some fandom going on you know extra special special edition yes there were some uh, you know divisiveness going on with in even in the community over the prequels whether people liked them or not uh Anakin's sweet-talking Padme about sand, you know, stuff like that. Uh, so, you know, there was, there was, and there, it still felt like, you know, and I remember watching uh, 
number three and you know seeing Anakin's conversion to becoming Darth Vader and I still felt like it was still just lacking a little something it was like really that's that's why he's you know becoming Darth Vader because he doesn't like Sam right and then Clone Wars comes out and I gotta give credit to Clone Wars I, I, I think the reason it's number one for me is because it it broke the mold uh, for Star Wars animation and it brought in a whole new depth to Star Wars it scratched the itch that we all know we want we had in the fact that it gave us more stories about Yoda Mace um, and some of the other Jedi in the council and it also gave us the perspective of the individual clone trooper right from the first episode with Yoda and you know he makes the, the line that because uh, he tells them to take off their helmets and they're like well we all just look the same you know we're all just the same and he's like well in the force you're all different you know when you look through the force and it really gave us that it introduced the it was the beginning of that grittiness the episode rookies you know episode five i think it was um you know and it gave us that it scratched the itch of us being able to see a lot of our favorite jedi in action and having their own solo stories you know shorts or story arcs uh which was really exciting to see them wearing you know armor pieces and doing their thing and and uh because who doesn't like to see the Jedi? I mean, that's that was one of the cool things about the prequels, you know, in Phantom Menace, just seeing Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan go at it, you know, with the duel with Maul and, and everything. And we wanted more, even though we had, you know, the, the duel of the fates, uh, or uh, the Obi-Wan and, and Anakin at the end of three. But it really gave us more depth. It was the introduction of more depth to the Star Wars universe. And... Uh, and then introducing the whole grittiness of the, the individual soldier to the Star Wars universe. So, you know, and what did that lead us to? That led us to Rogue One, you know, which was an outstanding movie. You know, didn't it wasn't Jedi dependent, you know. And so Clone Wars helped give us that um, right from the get-go of season one. Um, so production-wise... I mean, how could we not give it to Bad Batch without a doubt, you know? And that is three previous shows of perfecting the craft and getting to the result of Bad Batch. And I think from that perspective, Bad Batch is, yeah, it would definitely be number one. But for me, just that whole, uh, it's not nostalgia, I guess it's just respect, you know, of what it was like, what the OT did for us in movie watching overall. You know, before the OT, there was nothing. And what OT did to movies and did to cinema and and all of that, Clone Wars kind of did for the whole animated side of Star Wars, in my opinion. I respect uh, your opinion. Yeah, it, it deepened and deepened the level of storytelling. Well, the 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 Clone Wars series as a whole makes the prequels better. Yes, without a doubt. Definitely. The first season was still rough for me. I didn't watch it when it was originally on. Um, I didn't either. I, I was that much of a purist. At the, you know, when it came out, it's like, okay, I've seen three movies. Okay, I've seen three more that I can I can buy into. Yep. That's it for me. Yes. And I had I... to go back and watch it a couple of times to go, this is some really good stuff. And in fact, they made Obi-Wan a really badass character through 
Clone Wars. Oh, without a doubt. See, I dove right into it because it was the backstories that I always wanted to see. You know, what was yes. the Clone Wars? I'm finally going to get to learn what the Clone Wars were. And since we're talking about Clone Wars, I don't think Tarkovsky's Tar- Clone Wars gets enough credit. I think that that was an epic series Agreed. in itself. I mean, when everybody says the Clone Wars, they're talking about the uh, the more current version. But yes, I yeah. love I love the Tarkovsky's Clone Wars. Yes, mm-hmm. I gained more appreciation for it since Disney Plus put it on. Yeah, I enjoyed that when it first came out. I and yeah, Filoni's Clone Wars. I didn't watch on the original airing. I watched it later. Uh, when I could actually go through all six seasons and the so I had a different perspective I think than I would have watched it if, when it first came out yeah because that was um, driving then, me nuts because I wanted to talk about it but you, you, got, you yeah. never you'd never seen it it's driving me nuts and then 2003 Gennady's um, uh, Clone Wars had such an edge to it you know and that's what was really cool there was just this raw power emanating from it it was really weird uh but yeah no i loved and actually i you know i'm a big fan of that guy anyway he, uh samurai jack is one of my favorite uh shows of his um dexter's laboratory love that oh cartoon. i love dexter's um, lab and actually my all-time and i don't count any star wars villains in this but just pure animated villains my favorite villain is his which was mojo jojo from the powerpuff girls of all <laughs> of all cartoons i will oh, say that oh my I'm, word I'm you watch the powerpuff girls well i had kids you're secure oh, your yeah, oh, yeah, 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 okay i had including two he's two gonna girls. throw the kids under this under the bus here all right i i was the one that bought him powerpuff pillows for uh-huh, christmas uh-huh, one year yeah okay no, you bought I, him no, for I'm you saying, bought him for yourself. He just I'm got... saying I picked him out, not the wife. I picked him out. Oh, I believe uh, that. I believe that yeah. totally. You know, but that, no, that you got mad said, because I... your wife thought it was for the kids. <laughs> but Mojo Jojo, my all-time favorite animated villain. I mean, just love Mojo Jojo. But uh... come on, DB, what was that comment? You had something. No, I, I was going to say, as an old man that still has a little kid, I am pulling that excuse every time I do something stupid. <laughs> No, man, my daughter wanted to watch this. And I, I had a feeling that's where you're going to go. Thank oh, you. Yep. hell yeah, that's where I'm mm-hmm. going to go with that. I Well, you know, you know, you're, as a parent, you know, you, you try to pay attention to what your kids are absorbing, you know. Mm-hmm. You try to pay attention mm-hmm. to what they're watching. And I will say one of the worst experiences I ever had was taking my oldest son, when I think he was 10 or 11 or something, to the, Poke- the first Pokemon movie in the theater. I'm sorry. And if I could... Oh. I'd. I'll, I'll tell you this. I'd rather watch Resistance. Oh, God. Okay, I, I feel Ooh. really bad for you there. All right. Pokemon is uh, terrible. But I also had an epiphany in that movie, which is really funny, because I'm sitting there, and the opening credits come on, and you hear these 20-something men screaming like girls. And in this theater, and I'm there with my 10-year-old and his cousin. You know, they're both like 10 or 11 years old. And I'm hearing these men scream, squeal like little girls. And I thought, oh, my God, is that what it's like when we're in Star Wars? Oh, because this was the era of the prequels and I'm like in the special editions, the special special editions. And no, I, I I was just like, 
Okay, I'm gonna be a little more reserved in the theater. <laughs> I, I I'm upset with you for even having brought that up. <laughs> so that is not what I sound like in a theater. <laughs> um, all right, so those are our rankings. Um, I did want to mention one little, a couple little, uh, before we get on to collection updates and start wrapping this episode up. Uh, I noticed in a little Easter egg I didn't catch until I was watching something online the other day. In the Martez sister episode, the, um, which one was that? That was, uh, decommissioned. Their droid on their ship, that's a green R2 type droid. That was Ahsoka's droid, which I was like, oh, damn, that is cool. And it makes sense. She didn't have a droid when she visited them or stayed with them, did she? No. No, because she'd left the order. So how in the heck did they get her droid? Exactly. I thought that was a cool little little note. Um, And then one other thing I wanted to mention, you know, cameos. When we mentioned cameos and... I didn't make the note until this this part of my notes, but in Rebels, um, I thought Rebels kind of overdid cameos a little bit because it was all, uh, you know, their first cameo was Episode 3, Season 1, which was R2 and C-3PO. And to me, in Rebels, whether it was Lando's episode, Leia's episode, they all felt a little forced to me in a way yes. you know that like those episodes were very much storylines yes the storylines technically helped move the story along but it, that to me was more the f- definition of filler you know and and kind of a pointless cameo in my opinion that that's why i had a rough time getting through rebels at first because it was disjointed and forced yeah um and then the other thing I noted in that episode, that hat in episode three, which was droids in distress, Paul Rubens does a voice in that episode. Get so, out of here. Mr. Pee Wee Herman, for those that you looked that up for your kids, um, he does the voice of the droid RX24, I looked it up, who is, they're on that shuttle. Uh, they have to take a shuttle somewhere, and he is the droid pilot of the shuttle. And that was Rebels. Yes, which by the same was the same type of shuttle that in Episode Two of Bad Batch that Cut and his family get on to leave the planet. But um, okay, what episode yeah. was that? Uh, the Rebels. Yeah. Uh, Rebels season one, episode three. You know what I'm watching tonight. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no way. So Pee Wee Herman. Uh, All right. And then uh, uh, when I was also doing research, one other random nerd note: um, Ezra's father, Ephraim Bridger, is voiced by uh, D. Bradley Baker. Busy now. Yes. So I just wanted to, th- as long as we were recording, I wanted to throw this completely random theory out there that I don't believe, but I thought it was kind of cool, was that. Ephraim was a clone and Ezra is the son of a clone since he was voiced by D. Bradley Baker. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there. Is that a new uh, insult? You're a son of a clone? 
Son of a... Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. I like that. I like that. Very cool. I think D. Bradley Baker did multiple voices within the universe, yeah. though. Yeah, he has. He's done a lot of voices. Um, but yeah, when I came across that note, I was like, oh, huh, hmm. And Ephraim, was, his character is kind of dark-skinned, so, uh, like Django, so I was like, hmm, maybe. But it's probably not true. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, so there are any final thoughts uh, on the season? I want Question. more. Yeah. I want more Pez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so we'll move on to the next section, which is collection updates. Any updates, guys? Got a new shelving unit to display some of the cool stuff today, but um, so I didn't buy any anything to add to the collection so much as I bought something to help display the collection. I already filled it, cleaned it, and filled it. Very nice. Got the pet, got all the pets out on display now. <laughs> um, I don't know why I love the pets. I just I've always loved those pets. What about well, you, DB? We must be thinking on the same lines because I ordered a couple of low-end shelving units uh, that were wider than what I currently have, um, so I could put bigger ships on them. And um, without calling out this retailer by name, but their logo sure looks a lot like the Imperial logo. Um, <laughs> those sons of clones sent me the wrong color shelf, and I am not happy about it. What color did you get? Bright yellow. Oh. Who the hell orders bright yellow shelves? Oh, Wow. So, um, yeah, I've got no upside for you there. Write a strongly worded letter to them before I send it back. Well, after you, uh, after what we talked about last episode, you could put some gray stripes on it and just put all your Anakin stuff. <laughs> Genius! Oh, that you know and what? That you is turning you lemons might be into lemonade. Me shipping money, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that was my goal this week too, was to have some new shelving units to add more stuff on as I'm emptying the bins out in the man cave and it all went wrong so yeah, in the worst possible way yeah how about you non-collector anything uh no no nothing today just or nothing this week uh, uh all i've been collecting are memes and posting them so it's uh to our social media sites uh i did find that um the last die cast uh from the vintage collection i needed was the tie bomber I did find one today, and the asking price is one thousand seven hundred fifty dollars. Oof! Not happening. Oof! The search is that continues. fully sealed in a box? Yes, it's fully sealed. The box is in Oof. pristine condition. That is a big no. Mm, yeah, I'd have to say no on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I guess I could work this into the collection section of the episode. So for anyone that hasn't seen, or uh, if, if any of our listeners also watch the Marvel series What If, last week, uh, episode two of What If, uh, which is where T'Challa becomes Star-Lord, in the later part of the episode, they are in the home of the Collector, and as T'Challa is walking, running through uh, his base, or whatever you call it, um, he runs through a hangar-type area, 
in amongst uh, a hangar type area with all sorts of spaceships and, and vehicles uh, from around the galaxy and tucked up on a second shelf in the back in the shadows is an x-wing so most excellent yes in the in the marvel what if series so uh, i guess i can add that to the collection uh section hey. of the show this week in ready player one was there any star wars ships in the uh in that one scene where they go to get the uh, bike fixed oh i bet you there was i don't know though uh, all right i guess i'm watching that too tonight <laughs> I'll watch that and then I'll use resistance to help me pull her to sleep. <laughs> um, Alright, any other uh, collection updates? None here. Not on this end. Okay, uh, we'll move on. And uh, this is, wow, our longest episode yet. So I guess we should start wrapping it up. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, we probably should. Yeah. And, uh, Truffy's getting twitchy uh, without his pez. Yeah, I know. Plus, I think yeah. we're getting close to closing time and. We don't want uh, Tarkin shoving one of those slippers up you know where. So um, I did want to give out, you know, we shouted out uh, Star Wars Holocron earlier, and I wanted to give a few more shout-outs real quick. Uh, uh, for those listeners that are aware, I am active on Twitter uh, quite a bit, uh, Instagram and Facebook, but Twitter is a good place to have good dialogue with uh, other podcasts, Star Wars podcasts, and other Star Wars fans. And uh, I just wanted to give a shout-out to a couple different uh things on twitter this week uh the blue milk cafe which is part of the red five network they uh were listening to our last episode actually and we contributed uh a suggestion or one of the things we talked about they are using uh, as a second short topic for one of their episodes coming up so uh glad we could help uh and thanks for the listen we appreciate that um, and in particular, it was uh, something that DB said. Uh, we were talking briefly about uh, division in the fandom, and I think possibly it was in reference to resistance, because I think DB said something about, because he has this in quotes, uh, this wasn't in my demographic. And I think that, you know, I think we were most likely talking about resistance at that point, how it wasn't designed for really us. Um, and then uh, we also wanted to give a shout out to Jeff Fishbach on Twitter. Uh, his uh, handle is at SWFish77. So I'm thinking he's probably an older fan like we are as well. Um, but we had a, uh, he is a new listener and gave us a shout out and recommended us uh, to his followers. So wanted to say I really appreciate that. Uh, welcome to the Alderaan A-Holes. And... Uh, we appreciate new listeners and you giving us a shout out. So, um, and then uh, a new podcast entered the Star Wars arena, which was uh, they are Bright Suns Media. And uh, in fact, actually, Jeff and I had a short exchange on Twitter about them. Uh, and we agreed that, you know, and as Scruffy mentioned earlier, love what you love in Star Wars. Uh, if you like, if you're a fan of Resistance and you're a super fan of the sequels you know which we are not as big a fans of you do you boo and if that's what you love that's what you love and uh, <laughs> i'm sorry i can't hold it back anymore did you really that's just okay. say did that? you just say you do boo? oh my you god do, you do you do you yes boo? i did say that you i did do, say that. brown leader might have you to do. be replaced scruffy <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But no, the point, you know, we both agreed that we both agreed that, you know, the the Star Wars universe is big enough and uh, we love the fact that, you know, more and more people are wanting to talk about Star Wars. So who knows? Maybe one day we'll have some cross episodes where we we exchange some ideas. Uh, But I love to give shout outs uh, where I can. And then uh, the final one I had really quick uh, and DB, this one uh, might pique your interest. There is a person on Twitter that goes by Jackson D. Uh, Tumperaki Tumperaki and his icon is Jackson the Rabbit most and, excellent uh, I like this guy already yeah we've had a couple exchanges uh, the last one was about a meme um, from Marvel actually the latest episode of uh, what it no it was actually from the new Spider-Man trailer and uh, where it shows Doctor Strange pouring some sort of liquid into a spell cauldron thing and he, he said it's kind of like clucking out that when you're what did he say when you're 46 and you're plucking out that one gray hair and uh which we had a good laugh about and uh, so uh but yeah just wanted to give some shout outs on there and uh we love everything star wars and we appreciate that everybody else does as well so um any other final things before we go guys hey you do you boo you do you boo Uh, I just want to note we've made it this far without making any jokes about my hairline. I wasn't going to touch that today. No, Mm I'm not going to. Um, Oh, and I'll throw out one more random thing I saw on Twitter speaking about hairlines. Um, There we go. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, actually, it's not. It's not hairlines. Uh, I thought this was kind of cool, and I'll send you guys a a picture of it uh, after we get off the air. But somebody pointed out that. The, you know how in Clone Wars, every the troopers all had their designs on the helmets? And um, we all know, like, the Rex, the little ear thing on Rex's uh, is a callback to one of the original designs of Boba Fett, but um, in real life. But uh, Fives, you know, uh, the clone that discovered about the chips uh, in the heads, his design on his helmet uh, was actually stylized was a stylized uh, representation of the Rishi eel uh, that they fought back on the Rishi moon uh, during the episode Rookies in season one of Clone Wars. Great episode. And, uh, yeah, so I'll send you that uh, picture, and I uh, thought that was a cool little detail. Again, love those little Easter eggs. So, um, all right, you guys uh, ready to get out of here? I know uh, Scruffy's tired of drying out, so he's probably got some secret stash he wants to go hit. God, I wish. <laughs> no, I think we need to go. Uh, we ne- we never did resolve the issue how to pr- punish Brownie One, so we should just uh, duct tape him to the wall or something. Yep. I guess we'll have to. So we'll, uh, I sent him back to the academy for a while. So as soon as he comes home, we will uh, we'll do something Shatner related. So, uh, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 full we'll series this... binge of TJ Hooker. Ooh. Oh, <laughs> that's it. I think we found it, kids. Oh, that's brutal. Uh, we'll kick the Shatner out of him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and as long as we're on that note, I'm just gonna have to say one more time gonna spark all the time spark okay oh god i hate you right now you know you know mr shatner if you happen to be listening to our little podcast we'd love to have you on the show oh absolutely 
Absolutely. I follow him on Twitter. He's hilarious. He is hilarious. He actually has he actually is yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I bash I bash that franchise, but I, I do own all the movies. Oh, yeah. I do. I do love I do love them. I can't do the T V shows. But I've always I always did dig the movies. All right, well, I guess we will get out of here. Uh, this is uh, Brown Leader getting ready to sign off, and uh, you guys know what we got to do, right? All right, we're going to do this, and we're going to do right. this this time. <laughs> all right. Uh, thank you for listening. You can follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Make sure, please, to give us a like and a follow and a thumbs up, and please uh, tell us about tell us tell your friends about us. So um, we always love to see more listeners climbing on board. So you have been listening to the Alderaan A-Holes. That's, That's no, no moon. moon. <laughs> someday. Someday. All right, you do you, boo.